Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. And now, without further ado, I'll bring up the speaker. Oh, hi! That's at the end. There'll be much ado about nothing, but. That's right. We've got a, we can start that. Is it just on the top back there, the song? Is that, oh, I'll do it. You don't? Yeah. Thank you. That's okay. They would have heard me walk all the way back and do it, but. Like I said, we've got to have a song. He leads me with things that, uh, they appear to be secular songs, but usually aren't. They're usually wrote by a Christian, which is this guy, Gary Wright, wrote. It's funny when he leads me to those songs, but usually, and this one was, he wrote this song in an hour. The lyrics and the music seemed to have flowed out of me as if written by an unseen source. And he'd been asked years, you know, through the years what that song meant, why he did it. And later on, after he started thinking about it, he wrote, he, he, did two, he made two statements. The first one he said, he said, Mr. Wright made these two statements about the song. Dreamweaver is really a song whose lyrics, lyrical content is about the consciousness of the universe. God moving us through the night, delusions, and suffering into higher realms. And then he wrote, Dreamweaver, I Believe You Can Get Me Through the Night, was a song about someone with compassion and love carrying us through the night of our trials and sufferings. None other than God himself. Now, I had to question to begin with because he was really close friends with George Harrison and of the Beatles and they collaborated on some stuff. And, and at that time... They were both being very, they were very spiritual, not necessarily what kind of spiritual, but they were being very spiritual. But this is what he wrote after that. And he also wrote another song called Love is Alive. And if you get a chance to listen, it's an old one too. That is the same way. And it has a lot of the same thing. I mean, he's talking about the love that's in him, that's been put in him. It just amazes me that when you listen to these songs like this that I've listened to when I was younger and never even thought of any of what could be putting in, being put into me at the time. Um, in the Bible, uh, we're saying is God is the dream weaver. As far as I'm concerned, the way he has to weave everybody's lives together and everything to happen the way it happens and for our dreams to come true and for everything to come through with the promises that he has He's got to be weaving everything all the time, continually. Um, there is 21 dreams and 11 visions in the Bible, all of which give either insight or foresight to what is happening. Dreams are just one way that God speaks to us and visions but it's usually a pretty unique way. If you've had some of the visions and dreams from God, it, it's, 
scary sometimes, actually. I know that there's a lot of people here in this body and in this region that have had dreams, and that's why they moved here. Or they got a prophetic word, and that's why they moved here. They received that word and moved here for it. And others that have lived here that have had prophetic words and stuff about what they would do, what ministry they would run, and what would happen. I want you to keep this in mind when I go through the rest of this, that yes, he's given you those dreams, but our focus isn't supposed to be just on that dream or that prophetic word. The first part of, the, of my message today is something that I put together. It was thoughts that a lot of us shared in MIT and in Intercessors this week just to set a basis for for where I'm going with this. There are several verses in the Bible that speak of God having plans for us, that he's predestined us, that he's called us, that he's marked our time out, that he has given us what we need, that he's equipped us. I mean, just a few of those verses. I mean, there's Ephesians 2.10, Romans 8.29, 2 Timothy 1.9, Psalms 1.39, Jeremiah 29.11, 1 Corinthians 2.12. I mean, there's a lot of them in there. That's just a few. He's already giving us everything to, that we need to do what he wants us to do. The only thing that can really stop that from happening is us. The promises are there. He's given you what you need to do. You're the only one that can stop it from happening. Which is great news. <laughs> <laughs> you just get rid of yourself. <laughs> exactly. So, we need to focus on God, not on the dream. We need to focus on God, not on the prophetic word. We need to focus on God, not on my problems. We need to focus on God, not on the storm. We are never meant to survive. We are meant to thrive. Wherever we are at. Wherever we are at. To do this, we need to keep our eyes on God. I know many times this is hard. I totally agree. Matter of fact, most of the time this can be hard, especially if you're going through something. Now, don't get me wrong. Dreams and prophetic words are awesome. Awesome to receive, awesome to get, awesome to look at. And those words can guide us. They can help us to focus on God when we're trying to get through something. They can show us a side of ourselves that we don't see, that somebody else sees in us. They can help us to focus on what he wants us to do, but we still need to be looking at him when we're doing it. They can help us to develop our personal character. Get into that a little later, but um, 
Some dreams and prophetic words can be hard. When you're given a word saying, you're going to stand up in front of people and speak all the time. And you're like, I can't even speak in front of two people. How am I going to speak in front of a whole crowd? I haven't had that problem, but some people do. (laughs) And if you can carry the load of what the word says. And most of the times you can't. So once again, you have to look to God to give you the strength to carry what he wants you to carry. What he knows you can carry because he's already given you everything to carry it. We often wonder if we can do all of what the dream or the word says. And if your dream isn't big enough that you can't do it, that's not a dream. Your dream when you're talking about God needs to be so big that you can't do it yourself. That it has to be bigger than you could ever do by yourself. And another thing about prophetic words and dreams is when God speaks, he transforms us. Chris had said that on, on Thursday, and I don't know where he got it, or if he, he may have came up with it, I don't know, but he mentioned it. that When he gives us a dream or he gives us a prophetic word, he's, he's transforming us, he's building us up. He's showing us what he wants us to do, showing us what we can do. So I encourage you, if you have a word for somebody, take it to God first, but then give it to him. Help encourage him, help him move. Help him do what they're, push him into what they're supposed to do. So that's just a little intro, kind of getting things going to where I want to go with this. Hopefully the intro isn't longer than the rest of the message. But um, The title of the message is Dreamweaver. Like I said, God is a dreamweaver. I mean, if you just think about all the things he has to put, I, I can't even imagine all the things that have to happen at the right time in the right place and the right thing for everything to fall into where he wants it to happen. That he wants things for it to work that way. And sometimes that's why it takes a while for your dreams to happen too. If you think about everything that has to happen and be in place for things to come, for your dream to come together. The rest of the message I prepared for by watching the cartoon The King of Dreams and the movie Joseph. And I read uh, Genesis chapters 37 through 50 out of this amazing passion translation, Genesis, that he put out that this is awesome. So I'll be using those. That's, that's what I'll be using, reading that some out of there, a few verses out of there. But that's what I'll be touching on is on Joseph's life. And let me tell you what, if things didn't have to be weaved together for that to all happen, the way it happened, is just amazing. So now, that's a lot of chapters. It's about 60 pages in this book, so I hope everybody packed a lunch. No, I'm, I'm only going to do a little bit. I won't, I'll only touch on a little bit. Um, 
Joseph was, uh, go, go back just a little ways. I'll also be adding a little bit of testimony to own testimony along with this. You know, I don't know if I, I sh- Joseph is one of the ones that I've, I've uh, always thought I, my life was patterned after in a lot of ways. And I'll, I'll get to that as I go through this, but... Um, just the way things have happened and how things are put together just, like I said, amazes me, even in my own life. So going back just a little bit, in Genesis thirty twenty five, this is when Joseph was born to Jacob and Rachel. And Joseph, uh, Jacob had already been married to Leah and had kids. And then after he'd spent his seven years and then was able to get Rachel as his wife, and then Rachel couldn't have any kids. She was barren. So when Joseph was born, he was considered a miracle because she was unable to conceive. So from the beginning, God's hand was on Joseph. But to be honest, aren't we all miracles? Just the miracle of birth and all for us to be, and isn't God's hand on all of our lives? From the beginning? So it starts out in Genesis 37. It starts talking about Joseph. He was, at that time he was 17 years old. He was the youngest of 12 brothers. Oh no, he was the second youngest of 12 brothers. Benjamin was younger than him. He was Jacob's favorite. And his brothers knew it. And Jacob didn't hide it. Which all had to happen for it to get to the point that it did. They had to be at a point where they were jealous of what Joseph was. And they were. I mean, his, Jacob even made a coat of many colors for Joseph. But this just wasn't a coat. Most coats and things came about to your knee. His went to the ground. It was many colors, and it was more like a prince's robe than it was a coat. He was like, you're it. And I'm going to show everybody that you're it. So that just made it worse. The brothers were really jealous then. And you know what? You can take a cinematic leeway or whatever you want to call it on that when they do the movies and when they do the... The one that I watched was Joseph. It was one that was filmed back in 95, I think. And it was actually three hours long because of all that they... It actually was a mini-series in 1995, so you didn't have to sit through three hours at once. But the, the things that they put in there, whether they happened or not, but one of the things is they just showed how much they hated their brother, just despised him. He got all the, the teaching. He got all the time. He got all the... And all he really wanted to do was be with his brothers. He wanted to share in what they were doing, but he was held back by Jacob to learn because he wanted him to be the leader. He saw him as the future of the family. So, and I don't know if, if Joseph put off like he was better, 
Like he thought he was better if he showed that. But I can tell you that there's lots of times confidence can be confused with arrogance. If you're confident about who you are and what you're supposed to be, sometimes it can seem arrogant. But really, you're just walking in the confidence of knowing your identity and who you are and what you're supposed to do. And there's a way to do it so it doesn't come off really bad. But it's still, confidence is something we need to have. Also about this time is when Joseph had his, his two dreams. That was in Genesis, Genesis 37, 5 through 11. It says, one night Joseph had a dream. And we shared it with his brothers. They hated him even more. Like they couldn't already. I mean, listen to this dream I had, he told them. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly the sheave rose up, my sheaves rove up, and, and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to mine. His brothers asked him, Oh, so you think you're going to be king, be our king? Do you actually think you're destined to rule over us? So the dream he told them about made them hate him even more. Then another night, he had a dream and he shared it with his brothers, saying, listen, I had another dream. This time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When his father and brothers heard it, his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Do you really think I and your mother and your brothers are going to come and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers grew more jealous of him, but his father kept pondering Joseph's dreams. Now at this point, all Joseph is doing is telling them what he's dreamed, that God has given him. I really don't think he's trying to boast about what it is. He's just telling them the dream that he's had, trying to figure out what it is. And they're like tearing him down for doing it. Like, you know, you'll, what are you talking about? You can't, you'll never be that. You're not going to be above us. And I don't believe, like I said, I don't believe he was doing this to show that he was better. He was just sharing what God had given him. He was just actually learning how to get the dreams from God. And how to interpret them. Well, actually, they were interpreting it for him. But. And this is actually what we're supposed to do with our brothers and sisters. If we get a dream, we're supposed to share it. So that we can help figure out what it is and what we're supposed to do. Same with the prophetic word. Have people speak into it. Submit it to whoever you trust. And let them say what, what it is and what it's supposed to do. So in chapter, in more in 37, Joseph goes out to meet his brothers. And they take him and put him in a cistern. And they sell him to the slave trader rather than kill him. They also take his coat of many colors and put sheep's blood on it. And tell Jacob that Joseph is dead. That he was attacked by an animal and he was killed. Now, I have to admit, there were a few times I would have liked to have sold my little brother. (laughs) 
I actually just had dinner with my younger brother this Wednesday. He was up from Arizona doing some, some work in Spokane, so he came up. And I'm glad I didn't sell him. But one of the comments he made while we were talking about what we were doing, what was going on, and I told him that I was preaching this weekend, and he flat out stared me right in the face, and he said, of all the people I know, you are the last person that I thought would be doing this. <laughs> and I looked back at him and I said, if he can do it with me, he can do it with anybody. Don't ever shortchange yourself. God can use you. No matter what you've been through. What, I mean, this is the younger brother who I helped. Yeah, we don't need to go too far with that. But. Let's just say we did things we weren't supposed to when we weren't old enough to do it. And then did other things, yeah, anyway. Just, that's why he was saying what he was saying. Um, then in, in, and that's in uh, Genesis 39, 1 through 6. I'll read that one quick. After the Ishmaelites traders brought Joseph down to Egypt, he was purchased by an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, whose name was Potiphar. Yeshua's presence was with Joseph, and he became successful while living in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master realized that Yeshua's presence was with Joseph and caused everything he did to prosper, Joseph found favor with Potiphar. He was quickly promoted to become the overseer of Potiphar's house and was put in charge of all that he had. Joseph is a leader, and people can see it. Right away, they can see it. So he moves from the bottom to the top really fast everywhere he goes because he's doing what's right in front of him. He's not waiting for the dream of his brothers and dad to bow down to him. He's just doing what's right there and using his gifts to do what's right in front of him and to thrive while he's doing it. So things are looking really good for Joseph until Potiphar's wife decides she'd like to have him as hers. She made sexual advances toward him, but Joseph turned her down until she got mad, mad at him and accused him of making sexual advances on her. Now, like I said, Joseph is a born leader, but he was also loyal to the authority that he was under. No matter who that was, he was loyal to whoever he was working for. And in that, but in that, he was also still loyal to God. But he respected the authority that he was under wherever he was at. He could have made the choice to be with Potiphar's wife, which would have completely changed the story. And the rest probably never would have happened. But he was loyal to Potiphar for what Potiphar had given him and done for him.
He used his gifts to move from a slave to running a house. He could have taken Potiphar's wife advances and, you know, who knows what had happened then. So he went to jail, which that he wasn't killed was pretty much a miracle anyway because that's what usually happened when something like that happened, you were put to death. And actually, you know, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but that's one of the depictions they do in the movie is that she asked for him to be taken out. She wanted him dead. Potiphar's wife did because she didn't want him around anymore. And in the movie, it also says that, you know, she was worried about her appearance and everything, which back then they were. I mean, that was a big thing. She didn't look like she was, you want to look like she was lying or anything to, to. but by the grace of God, he was not killed. 39, 1 through 6, I did that one, 39, 20. So Joseph's master took him and threw him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners are confined. And he was left there. But Yahweh was with Joseph and demonstrated to him his faithful love by giving him great favor in the sight of the warden. The warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. He was placed in charge of all the prisoners and everything in the prison. The warden had no worries about the prison with Joseph in charge. So once again, what's he do? He does what Joseph does. He prospers and thrives where he's at. He moves to the top and starts taking charge and being a leader just like he is. He has done this twice now, moved from the bottom to the top. He went from the prisoner this time, just a common prisoner, to running the prison in a short time. I've seen similar grace in my life several times where I was taking jobs just to get by or just to, to do. One of them was when I got divorced. I followed my wife to where she was going to be or a town next to where she was so I could see my sons. And I just took a job through a temp agency at a trust plant building house trusses. And within five years, I was the production manager for that trust plant. Things like that have happened even in high school when I was in sports. You get picked to be the captain. And you're looking around going, huh, what are they picking me for? But people can see in you more than you see in yourself. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And even coming here, I just came in and decided that I would just be the person that sat in the back and I would help Chris with anything that needed to be helped with around here. So I've done most of the hospitality positions, most of the... But he, they, he could see that I was teachable and I was accessible and he could see more in me than I could. And that's why I'm standing right here. I've had prophetic words about me being and doing this, but I, 
I usually just put them on the shelf. <laughs> and and to being prophetic, I'm like, when I first heard that, I'm like, what's prophetic? Are you talking about pathetic or what? I mean, it's like... So when you hear those, and a matter of fact, it's been probably 18 years since I heard the first word about that to where I am now, standing here speaking. So while Jacob, or I mean, while Joseph was in jail, he had the opportunity to interpret dreams for two of Pharaoh's servants who'd been brought in. The chief steward and the chief baker. He interpreted their dreams and the interpretations came to pass. He told the chief steward, give Pharaoh a message. Don't forget about me. Tell Pharaoh I've been imprisoned unjustly. I didn't do any of what's there. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. Nothing happened. You know, get in Pharaoh's ear for me. (laughs) He didn't. For about two years. See what we got here. You had to wait two more years before he had the chance to do anything with 41. Get where I'm at here. So then, after he was given the opportunity and brought up to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, and after Pharaoh could see that he actually knew what he was doing, not like his other. Servants who had no clue what the dreams meant. He decided to make him the person in charge of all of what he'd said in the dream or what he'd interpreted. So in Genesis 41, it says, 41, 41. Listen to me, Joseph, Pharaoh continued. I'm placing you in charge of all of Egypt. Then he removed his signet ring placed it on Joseph's finger, and had him clothed with fine robes, fine linen robes. Look, we're back to the robes again. He adorned him with a golden collar around his neck. Pharaoh had him ride in the chariot reserved for the second in command and sent runners going before him, crying out, kneel. In this way, Pharaoh placed Joseph over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. No one in all of Egypt will lift a finger without your permission. So once again, he interpreted the dream, which was a gift that he had, and he used that gift. And in return for using that gift, he's at the top again, leading everything and putting it together. What's going to happen? How they're going to save the grain? Everything. And he's in charge of everybody. I mean, all of Egypt. This is the little slave boy that was purchased. But he wasn't a normal little slave boy. He was also given a new identity and a wife. He started a family and was working for Pharaoh until the famine hit and his brothers showed up to get grain. 
Then in Genesis 42, the first dream Joseph had is fulfilled. In 42.6, it says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land of Egypt, which meant he supervised the sale of the grain to all the people. One day Joseph's ten brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces on the ground. As soon as Joseph saw them, he realized that they, they were his brothers, but he pretended he didn't know them and spoke to them harshly. I think I probably would have too. Probably more than harshly. I know that was probably reading through those things, so I'll give you a quick summary, really quick, on, on Joseph. Joseph was born a miracle. Jacob showers him with love and teaching. His brothers hate him and sell him into slave trade. Potiphar buys him, and Joseph becomes the head of his house. Potiphar's wife makes advances and accuses Joseph. Joseph goes to prison. Joseph soon is running the prison. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh's servants' dreams, and then interprets Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph was put in power over all of Egypt. His brothers now bow to him, as does his father. He saves his family, moves them to Egypt, and are under his authority. Tell me God didn't weave that all together. And what had to happen for all that to happen. Just telling a little bit, I mean, it was probably 18 years ago when I was given a, a prophetic word saying that I would be prophetic and that I would speak in front of people. And at that time I told them they were crazy. But the more you, <laughs> the closer you get to God, the more he keeps speaking to you and telling you what he wants you to do. And the dream that, that Mike and I have is to run a rescue ranch. But that's a big dream that's out here. So what am I doing? I'm doing what I'm doing, what's right in front of me right here. Now, Paul and Kim moved up here with the dream, too, about doing a, a retreat for pastors. When they started, they started in Priest River. Thought they had land there that they wanted that they'd build it on. And then they met John and Lois and went up to their land. And they had five acres behind them. That was actually the vision that they had that they could stand on the land and see the whole valley. So when they saw that land, they sold their land in Priest River and moved up with John and Lois. And they're going to build their place up there. Because they're doing what's right in front of them. And right now, I mean, I may be speaking out of place, but I don't think they have the money to build that place. They're praying God does. Well, they know God does. But Paul is also taken, and we work together in construction. And we're probably both making more money than we have, well, more than I ever have, Paul too, because he's blessed us with that to do that. 
And we're doing what's right in front of us and what the opportunity is. And I didn't say anything to Dennis and Colleen, but I'm going to bring them up too. Um, Dennis has had a dream of, of traveling and preaching and doing healing. And he's, they've, they've uh, for their own reasons, not really ever wanted to be on a core team or a elders or have and had problems, so they weren't sure they wanted to do that. And Mike and I didn't either. We shunned away from it for about three years until we finally said, you know, this is what's in front of us. This is what you're putting in front of us, God. This is what we're going to do. We'll step in it wholeheartedly with what you want us to do here. And that's what Dennis and Colleen did. And in talking to Dennis, next two weeks, then in two weeks when you're going to Mountain Home, July, Chris is taking him down to Mountain Home to do a healing seminar down there. And we're talking about it. And then he's going to take him to the kingdom gathering down in California to connect him with people that can make his dream come true. It's like he said, I've never been around a pastor that cared more about my outcome than he did about how many people were in the church. But that's what this church is. It's a healing place and a transforming place to send people out. That means people come and go. It took 22 years for Joseph's dream to come through. And as I said, he was a born leader. And he chose to use his gifts everywhere that he was, not saving them for when the dream came. We have the gifts. We're supposed to use them wherever we're at. And as I said before, he respected all authority that he was under, no matter what that authority was. Even though they didn't believe in the God that he did, he still respected their authority and still believed in his God. Matter of fact, a lot of them, you know, it, it doesn't say a lot in there, but it, in the Bible, and they depict it in the movies, is that they laughed when he said he only had one God. I mean, how can you have just one God? What's one God going to do? You need lots of gods. But he stayed true to God, but still stayed under the authority of what was happening. Which is the same thing we all need to do. So when I... I'm sure he had questions. I'm sure Joseph had a lot of questions for God. Why is this happening again? Why am I going from one place to another? Why am I down in this cistern? Why am I in the prison? I didn't do anything. Why is this happening? But it was all part of not only for the dream to come true, but for maturing Joseph. Charlene had said when we were in Intercessors about being able to look at your past and see what he's done for you and be able to move forward knowing what he's already done for you and keep doing, keep thriving, not surviving, 
And I really think there's times when we, we get to a point where we have joy in our life and things are going good, and we just sit there and wait for the next shoe to drop instead of just enjoying everything that's happening and keep going with that joy and keep striving, which is what we need to do. So I'm not telling you all have to wait 22 more years for your dream to come true, but I'm saying that in the time between, thrive where you're at. It's in the journey. There's five points I want to make that I kind of touched a little bit on through this. Is One, stay humble, stay humble and teachable. You may have a gift, but you don't need to flaunt it. Yes, you need to use it, but don't think you're better than anybody else. But you need to use it and be teachable. If you, everywhere that, that Joseph went, he not only went to the top, but he learned what their system was or gave them a system or learned their language or did whatever he had to to be able to get to the spot that he did as quick as he did. Two, don't complain about the path. Don't complain about where it's going and what's happening. Just focus on God and thrive where you're at. Do what's next, what's right in front of you. Three, use your gifts where you're at. He's given you the gifts to use, not to save for a rainy day. Although it does rain around here a lot. But Four, like I've said so many times through this, is don't survive, thrive. Don't just survive. We're to thrive at wherever we're at and whatever he puts us into. And five, focus on God, not on the dream and not on the word. So I have one more song I want to play right now. And then after we play this, this is actually the theme song from King of Dreams, but I love the words that are in it. And then we'll do an activation afterwards. So even though his focus was on God, he still had questions. But he had to admit at the end that God knew best. God knew where he was leading. God knew what he had. He looked at God and trusted in God. He took him right where he needed to go. Right where he needed to go. So if you want to stand, we'll do a little activation. What I'd like you to do is hold your just hold your hands out in front of you. And envision whatever dream, prophetic word, whatever you've gotten that you want to happen or that you'd like to see in the future. And I want you to hold it with your hands wide open and say, God, I'm giving this to you. So we'll do this at the end. We'll speak it together. God, I'm giving this to you. And then you lead me. So we'll do this right now. God, I'm giving this to you. You lead me where I need to go. Show me the next step so that I can make this dream or this prophetic word come true. In Jesus' name, amen.
So just remember that we're thriving. We're not surviving. Everywhere we're at. You can have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.